This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper for all things LA sports and NBA. And of course, Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod, even TikTok if you want at Dime Dropper Pod. Locked on Clippers if you're a Clipper fan, five days a week. So in tonight's episode, it's the least kind of least favorite LA night. It's therapy session for both fan bases, and I'm happy to be the therapist. Lakers and Clippers both taking fat L's. The Lakers one was really fat. Clippers, a narrow one, but a shit performance in my opinion. And I think the score makes them look actually a little bit better than they than they looked. So we're gonna be getting into it. Um, by the way, I see Twitter right now, 23 people. Please do me a favor. Come down from that Twitter and go to the link right below the tweet that you're watching because I want to get everybody on YouTube. I'm very serious about this 10,000 subscriber thing. And, you know, this is where I make my money, even though I make some money off Twitter nowadays as well. So please go to YouTube. Please, I beg, right underneath the link. Thank you. All right. Tweet is being deleted. Shout out to everybody in the live. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Anything helps. But let's get to it. By the way, please check out my recent videos, the vlog on YouTube of the Reggie game. <laughs> it was insane. And then Basketball on Figueroa, episode 6 with Edwin, talking all things Lakers Clippers. Let's start with the Clipper game tonight against the Golden State Warriors. Shout out to all my Warriors fans that are watching. I know I got a bunch of them. Uh, probably my third biggest fan base now. It's probably surpassed Boston. So shout out to my Warriors fans. First matchup of the season. And we're going to be seeing them a lot late, uh, uh, very soon. This Saturday, I want to apologize. I will not be at the game. So that will be the first game I'm missing this season. Apologies to all the fans that wanted the Warriors vlog. It's not going to happen on this game, but the other game that we'll play against them in December, I will be at. So you'll get a vlog then. But anyway, so I won't be there. No Chris Paul in this game. But then we also heard no Andrew Wiggins, who slammed his finger, slammed the car door into his finger. When I heard that, I was like, okay, we got to win this because Wiggins is, you know, usually pretty good at guarding Kawhi. What were they going to do? Probably throw Draymond on a Kawhi and Moses Moody onto Paul George, and that's exactly what they did. Now, the guy that I think was just absolutely pitiful, absolutely pitiful tonight is Podcast P. Clippers lost the game 114-120, to 120, and we'll get into all the details in a second. But let me just say this about Podcast P, dude. Paul George... I mean, he is so frustrating, and it feels like the same conversation that Laker fans have about Anthony Davis, but the difference is Anthony Davis, even on his worst days, is a beast defensively. Paul George tonight was a shitstorm of everything. Bad shots, all contested jumpers. We've seen it so many times. He constantly takes these contested jumpers and basically shoots himself out of the game. He says himself that he's best when he's getting to the basket. Was he tired? It might have been he was just tired, but if you're tired, sit your ass down. I mean, I don't know what to say. You know, he's a star. He has a big responsibility on this team. But if you're not going to try defensively as well, then, like, what are you doing out there? Defensively, he was guarding, I think it was Moody, 
to start the game, but of course we're switching a lot, right? He was getting burned on every off-ball screen. He wasn't paying attention as well off the ball. He was switching. He was calling out switches when there was no screen, when he was literally just lagging behind. The guy he was guarding would create separation, and he saw somebody on the Clippers was closer to him and be like, yo, yo, switch. I got yours. Bro, you're not fooling anybody here. Like, you call yourself one of the... I I love to get after it on both ends of the floor. Like, Paul, I love you, dude. Like, you're my second favorite player on the team after Terrence, who we're going to get into as well. There's no excuse. There's no... I don't care that we're on a back-to-back, personally. You won with plenty of time on the clock yesterday, and then you did it. You had an amazing performance against Dallas on a back-to-back. You want to be a championship team. You brought in James Harden to lessen the load. Let's be real, though. Defensively, it's only increased the load for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And it makes it hard. But offensively, he has no excuse. Now that Russ has gone to the bench, it is not as clunky. He's getting a good diet of shots. Second quarter, he basically has the license in that second unit, whichever half it is, with Norm and Russ to just gun. And he took bad shots, and he played shitty defense. On ball, off ball, however you want to slice it. No rotation half the time. I mean, it's inexcusable to play with that little of an effort and you say you want to win a championship so bad. There are steps that you need to take. It's not about one regular season game because now it's three games in a row. You can clearly see I'm a little more agitated tonight because it's not even that I think this team can win a championship. I've already told you how I feel after the trade and even before the trade. But you as the stars that signed off to this and want to do this whole thing and you have all the attention on you and all this, you better come to play. Kawhi Leonard came to play. Russell Westbrook, I've rarely faulted his effort in a Clipper jersey, ever. James Harden, I mean, he had a good first half and a not-so-good second half. But from an effort perspective, I think James Harden was closer to his standard than Paul George. Paul George was a joke. Let's talk about the specifics of the game. Oh, and Ty Lue, Terrence Mann, these guys are all going to hear it as well. So the first quarter... Loon obviously matched up against Zoo, Kawhi and Draymond going at it, Terrence Mann against Steph. And let me just say, I got to look back at the made shots by Steph. Uh, He had 26 points, but I thought Terrence actually did a pretty decent job chasing him over screens. I was a little bit worried, but I thought he did a good job not just chasing him over screens, but denying the ball. Sometimes there were times where Steph was trying to get the ball and Terrence was just staying glued to him. And I thought that was pretty good, but anybody else, Steph was going against he was basically cooking and from the beginning of the game he was trying to get hard in the pick and roll and for the most part we hedged and recovered with Harden throughout the game until the fourth when it becomes harder to do that as far as Steph on the other end he was guarding Terrence Mann you had Clay guarding Harden and then Moody guarding Paul George and the Warriors in the first quarter were actually conceding the Steph switch with Harden switching one through four on that And James uh, hit a three over him. And it was a good start to the game for James Harden. Uh, Looney was in that high drop because they don't want to drop too deep with Harden. They know he wants that pull-up three, and he was shooting it well last game. And he had a very good first quarter, nine points. He had two threes. Two of them were contested. But another avenue the Clippers were getting good shots besides the Harden zoo pick and roll, Paul George, the only good thing he did tonight was that because the Warriors were going to be either in that high drop or hedging the screens, they were going to, you know, basically they're putting two on the ball when Paul George is coming off a screen. PG had some good pocket passes and good passes that led into four-on-three situations. So in that sense, I thought he was pretty good. When the Warriors put Saric in, they switched one through five. And this is where I was absolutely blown away. 
that even though Kawhi started pretty good, six points in the first quarter, the Warriors would let Brandon Pajimski switch on to Kawhi. Now, if I, I don't know if I've talked about him on this channel before, but Brandon Pajimski, I saw him play live last year at Pepperdine for Santa Clara, and he was legitimately one of the best college players I ever saw in my life live. Like, he was so good. So good. So I, I thought for sure he was an NBA player. Uh, I was surprised the Warriors took him as high as he did, but when I saw the Warriors take him, I was like, yeah, he's going to be great. He fits the system. He makes quick decisions. He can play off the ball. He can shoot. But what I've been really impressed by is how physical he's willing to be defensively and how he's not afraid of anything. You know, he's a real dog, you know, taking charges, playing with intensity. I just love the emotion. I love the passion. So I think the Warriors, the one thing I've watched a ton of their games, by the way, and I'm going to talk about the Warriors more, like maybe a little bit more tonight, but a couple episodes down the line, I'm going to really get into every team. And I actually thought they looked a little better tonight without Chris Paul, because I thought it felt like more of the movement was back and a little bit of that pace was back. And I think leaning into Moody, Kaminga, Pods, these guys will help the team. And I think Saric has been really great this season, man. Being able to stretch the floor, being a pick-and-pop guy because Looney and Draymond, they're jumpers. Even though Draymond's shooting insanely well from three this season, and that really pissed me off to in the beginning of the game that Draymond hit those first two threes. But they haven't really had a pick-and-pop big like that. And that I can I mean Azealia wasn't, JaVale wasn't, Jordan Bell wasn't. Like it's a real luxury for the Warriors to have that, especially in that second unit with Chris Paul. I think the Warriors second unit's been really good this year, to be honest. Gary Payton getting injured doesn't help that. And that's another reason why I thought the Clippers should have won this game. No Gary Payton and no Andrew Wiggins. But Zoo, as far as him defensively, he was in that high drop with Steph, and I thought they were doing a pretty decent job of it. Uh PG started out with the contested shot bullshit from the first quarter. And I thought Zubots had another awesome game. Yeah, I, I was thinking about Otto Porter for the people in the comments. I was thinking about Otto Porter, but I don't really consider him a big. The guy was drafted as a small forward, and he was like, like he would have never been put at the five in the f five years within him being drafted. That would have never even been thought of. But as a second unit small ball five in today's NBA, it worked. But I wouldn't necessarily call him a big. Um, so anyway, Paul George bullshitting but if it's a Zubats was awesome he had this one block on Looney where he literally just grabbed the ball and I was like okay Zoo okay Zoo damn I haven't even checked 82 people in the live gotta love it anyway and he was finishing pretty well making quicker decisions in the four on threes because Harden was getting respect Harden's pocket passes were great he even threw a really nice right-handed bounce pass in the pocket and Zoo took one dribble and just dunked straight up Again, it's all about body language with Zoo. You can tell what Zoo you're going to get with the way he's moving and the way he's attacking the rim and defending. And I thought he was the great Zoo and really has been for about six, seven games in a row now. Like, let's be honest. For all those people that were trying to say Daniel Tice is better than him, dude, Tice is maybe better with that one-handed push shot, which, by the way, looks like it's coming along for Zoo. But having a 6'8 center is not really ideal. Like, yeah, he made one three and he can stretch it a little bit further than Zoo, but like, be honest with yourself. He's not better than Zubots by any means. Warriors got some tough calls in the first quarter. Steph, Brandon Pajimski, they had that uh, challenge and they won it when Pods didn't foul Kawhi. Clippers were up, tw I think, 22-20, to 20, and then the Warriors went on an 11-2 to 2 run. The young guys were hitting threes. You got one from Kaminga, one from Pods, and then Clay got fouled on a three by Kobe Brown. How many minutes did Kobe get? Just six. I think he only played in the first half. Had a donut and one rebound. It was 0 for 1. 
So I don't really know if Kobe Brown, it's going to take him time, obviously, to get, you know, used to NBA basketball, but I don't know if he's going to be the answer at the backup four to win a championship. Because, like, dude, it's championship or bust. You traded for James Harden. Like, let's not mince words here. The, the room for the margin for error is very small. We're eight and ten right now. We're what five and three since we made the change to put Russ on the bench, and we are five and eight with James Harden. So, yeah, not great so far. If we're actually looking at the results, no matter how we're trending, the inconsistencies are very disappointing and frustrating. Anyway, end of the first quarter, Warriors led. 31-24 after an amazing putback by Russ at the end of the first. But that second unit, they went on a drought. Uh, Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, I thought were pretty dog shit in that second quarter. Norm, I'm surprised he even played with that injury that he looked like he had against Harrison Barnes last night. He probably should have sat out because he didn't do anything. And this is not even just when he's injured, but I have a serious concern now with Norm switching on to bigs, not because he can't guard bigs. He actually created a turnover today against somebody in the post. I think it may have been Kaminga. Might have been Saric, though. But he doesn't rebound at all when he gets switched on to a big. He like basically just concedes position, and that's an issue. And Russell Westbrook, a couple more of those bullshit no-pass possessions. I hate when he does that. I hate when anyone does that. No pass possessions. Bro's out of control. He's making bad decisions. And I'm starting to get to that point where I'm going back to what I thought when we first signed Russ. And that's just don't shoot threes anymore. Just attack the space. And you know what? You have to make a pass in congestion or just take a contested like layup or something. I'm living with that rather than the three. Honestly, because at least someone's going to have to take a hit to the body. At least. Bare minimum. Because he's shooting 27% going into this game and he was 0 for 3. So expect that to drop to like 26, 25 by tomorrow. So I'm starting to get over the three ball thing, right? And when he's sharing the floor with Harden, which he's going to, and people need to understand, right? If you want Russ to play a lot, then he has to share some of the minutes with Harden. Unless we're just taking Harden's minutes away, which, you know, has he earned? Does he deserve that? I'm not sure. I mean, let's see. Let's look at the minute distribution tonight. Russell Westbrook, 26. James Harden, 37. So we can probably, we can probably split it a little bit better than that. But let's be honest, in the first half, Westbrook, Paul George, and Norman Powell weren't playing well. You wanted to get Harden and Kawhi back in the game. That's just the honest truth. We went down by 17. The Dubs were just making all their threes. It felt like they were just shooting much better than in most games I've watched this season. And I've basically watched all of them, but mostly Chris Paul's minutes, just because I want to see how they look. But the Warriors shot 38.5% from three in this game, 15 for 39. Clippers actually shot pretty well, 37.5% from three, but they were 12 for 32 um, the Clippers actually shot 13 more field goals than the Warriors. Warriors shot seven more free throws. The Warriors won the rebounding battle, but it was a struggle. It was a struggle for the Clips scoring in that second quarter. At the in the end, the Warriors only outscored the Clips 30 to 26 in the second because Kawhi and Harden kind of came in and restored a little bit of order. Order. PG couldn't hit anything though. Anything. But Kawhi, Zoo, Terrence, and James, I thought they really weathered the storm. I thought Harden looked better tonight, especially in that first half, in the sense that, like last game, he looked to turn the corner a little more on pick and rolls and looked to try to get downhill as best he could. Yeah, he's not going to get by Moses Moody. He's not going to even get by Klay Thompson all the time. But he's at least looking to score a little bit more, and that's what he's got to do if he's going to have the ball in his hands as long as he does. Kawhi Leonard, I liked how aggressive he was being. 
through three quarters. I mean, I thought he weathered the storm pretty well in that second. And I liked the pep in his step. I mean, defensively, he was also really good and help, of course, uh, even when he had to guard the ball, just being disruptive. He can't, I mean, teams are not going to put him in the action. Like, they're not going to target Kawhi Leonard to go at. But um, he still finds a way to impact the game defensively. Two steals for him in this one. But the Clips went to the half down 50-61. to 61. Terrence Mann, while I give him his props for trying hard defensively and getting rebounds, he got five of them in this game. His three-point shooting is really concerning me, and I've been saying he hasn't had bad misses, but in this one he had some bad ones. He needs to start knocking them down because I think it's very much in his head. Like, yeah, I don't think he's the best shooter in the world, but it's very much in his head. I like that he's not hesitating as much, but he was one for four from three in this game. Four for 10 overall, nine points, five rebounds, one assist and a steal. And he was actually plus 13. So his minutes were positive by a lot. But he needs to, I mean, he needs to hit shots because the defense is not respecting him right now. And as much as Russ doesn't get respected off the ball, Terrence Mann and Zoo together, it's the spacing is not the best. Terrence needs to be better offensively knocking down that shot. It's what he's out there to do. And you know what? When he doesn't get confident, when he loses confidence in his shot, it's not even that he hesitates on it. He'll start cutting at inopportune times when Zoo's already down there, and that's going to like just hurt whoever's on the ball, if we're being real. So we need him to start knocking down shots. I'm going to keep the faith, but he needs to step it up. Nine points, five boards, four for 10 from the field, and one for four from three. Am I saying he needs to go to the bench or anything like that? No, because he's, he's just having him on the floor makes us better because less is more offensively in the sense that he doesn't need the ball. Two, he's athletic and plays D, and we need that. You need role guys. But I thought those guys weathered the storm just a bit. Third quarter, Clippers actually won the quarter 27-25, but the dubs were still pretty strong. They didn't budge too much. Draymond and Looney were switching the 4-5 ball screen, so when Kawhi was running the pick and roll, they were very okay with switching Draymond on a zoo and Looney onto Kawhi, and a couple times Kawhi actually got the better of Looney. Clippers, as I mentioned earlier, hedging with Harden on Steph defensively because we didn't want to get Harden switched on as Steph, and we cut it to seven behind Ivica Zubats and Kawhi Leonard. I thought Zoo was really good finishing, going up strong, rebounding, protecting the rim well, and Kawhi, I was happy with what I was seeing. I really was. And that's the the one positive you can take from this game. Actually, two. Zubots is looking really good lately. And Kawhi, the last three games, is looking a lot better, especially these last two. But I'm going to have some smoke for Kawhi later because he deserves some. Hmm. Harden, this is when I don't this is when I think it started kind of going south for him. He had one bad foul baiting attempt behind the three-point line where he just chucked it up. Thankfully, Terrence Mann got the rebound and put it in. And we got down to four, but then the Warriors, you know, they found a way to push it back up. He also had that some bad defensive plays where he didn't really put in an effort in transition. And I thought the one play that really got Klay Thompson going, and Klay Thompson has struggled massively this season, massively. I've been saying he should go to the bench since last uh, playoffs against the Lakers when he had a poor series. I was saying Clay should be a bench player. I know that's a huge conversation now. The controversy, especially the last game where he closed the game instead of Moses Moody because he's Clay Thompson. But tonight he was great, and it's just ridiculous that we're the team that he goes off against. 
But I think the one play that really made the difference was that turn momentum was when Harden looked like he had gotten the rebound and then Moody took it away from him and gave it to Kawhi for a foul line, Kawhi, Clay for a foul line jumper, put the Warriors up, I think, 66 to 60. Then after that, he hit a couple of tough threes and we had some bad closeouts and he was attacking them well and scoring. And you can see the the smiles coming back to Clay Thompson's face. And I was just not happy with that. He was two for 10. At halftime, and he ended 8-for-18, so 6-for-8 in the second half. As a Warriors fan, you'll take that from Clay. 22 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block for him. 2-for-7 uh, from 3, so not the best 3-point shooting night for him, but 4-for-4 four four from the foul line. I mean, yikes. That was very frustrating. PG, dog shit off the ball. I think in general the Clippers were dog shit off the ball. They were not rotating well enough they were falling asleep they weren't communicating and it just wasn't good enough and then out of nowhere out of absolutely nowhere Ty Lu goes to not one not two not one not two not three LeBron style not three but four guards on the court at once Russ and Harden, whose minutes were already trash in the first half. The point I was trying to make earlier was if you want Russ to play without Harden, well, then he's not going to play that many minutes because Harden's the starter. So it, it's only going to be the maximum. Like Harden's going to get 30 minutes. So like the max you're going to get is like 18 if you're only playing them separate, if you're a Russ fan. Like that's that's the sad reality, right? They have to share the court a little bit, which sucks because it's not a good fit at all. It just puts Russ in more off-ball situations. And it's not as good defensively, especially when Norm's out there with him. So he, and he puts, so he put in bones with them out of nowhere, just cooled off the bench. Look, I know the Warriors don't have anybody over six ten on their roster, but that was ridiculous to go that small, especially when we were, especially when we were losing. Let me check what the score was when he did that. So the Clippers were down seventy one eighty one. 73-82, when Bones came in for PG. We went four guards for the rest of the quarter with Kawhi at center. It was Norm, Russ, Harden, and Bones with Kawhi at center. We were actually only down by nine at the end of the third. So it didn't actually kill us. And then Tyson PG came right back in the game. Maybe it was to preserve legs. I don't know. But fourth quarter, I thought Russell Westbrook actually was getting us back in the game with the ability to get two feet in the paint, pushing the pace a little bit. Defensively, I thought he was just okay, not great actually. There's some plays where I just thought he wasn't in any kind of stance, uh, wasn't trying to fight over, just not very good attention to detail. Lazy defense, to put it to put it lightly. But PG, four on three reads, making some good passes, or making getting blitzed, making good passes to get through those four on three situations. Daniel Tice made some solid reads, missed a couple of shots, but Russ, he did a good job cutting off the ball. And Russ fans, let me know what you think, but in my opinion, I've seen the most off-ball Russ, like good things off-ball from him of any point of his career with the Clippers. His cutting, screen setting, and rolling, I think all that stuff has been better than it's ever been because he's had to. And you saw a nice baseline cut in this game uh, in the fourth quarter. You saw a nice drop-off to Tice. I saw just better play from Russ than in the first half. And I actually thought he was playing really well. He deserved to close this game in my eyes. 
but the spacing towards the end can be tough, especially when you have Terrence Mann and Zhu in there together, all three of them. But even just Russ and Terrence Mann right now with the way Terrence is shooting, it's not ideal. You really need PG and Kawhi and even James Harden to a degree to be really good offensively to counteract that. And Russ needs to find a way to contribute when they're not respecting his shot, whether it be crash the offensive glass, set a screen. And I think he did that in this game. But Clippers cut it down to five after a James Harden step back three. Zubats, by the way, very solid performance. As I said, even in the second half, he was just playing so well. So well. And so was Clay Thompson, by the way. And then we get to Steph Curry, who we just could not stop at all in the fourth. Norman Powell was non-existent in this game. He was a ghost. Wasn't good. Probably shouldn't have even played. Goes to the bench last five minutes or so. Steph Curry, nobody could guard him in the fourth. The only one that stood a chance seemed like it was Terrence Mann. He was getting to the rim at will. Paul George's defense on him was pretty pathetic. And they were targeting James Harden over and over again with Steph. And we weren't really able to avoid the switch. And he was getting what he wanted. James Harden, it's going to be a real... For what he for all he does offensively, it is going to be a real issue closing with him down the stretch of games against good teams. Because teams are going to target him. And I just... I don't know what to say. We have a major issues closing. Kawhi lose... First of all... Kawhi comes in at the 6 minute and 29 second mark. Okay, he's out the first five and a half minutes of the fourth. That's not ideal. But for him to not shoot till there was 1 minute and 58 seconds left in the game is inexcusable. Inexcusable. He had 21 points going in to the fourth quarter. And all he had was one layup that Paul George gave him with a minute and a half left. That's ridiculous. And Ty Lue taking Zubats out of the game to go small, switch everything, when we have James Harden, who's a defensive liability at the end of games. You have to you switch. If you're, if you're a real serious team that wants to win a championship and you want to switch everything, you got to do it with guys that can fucking guard. Not James Harden. Get real, especially when Zubats is playing like that. How many times is Ty going to sit Zubats down with his small ball conviction when Zubats is playing so well? How many times, especially against a small Warriors team where we actually got more offensive rebounds than them? Ty Lue cannot get a pass. Ty Lue cannot get a pass because he's done it one too many times. What was the lineup to close? Kawhi, Paul, Terrence, Russ. Kawhi, Paul, Terrence, Russ, and James. Nah, man, ever since the trade, when his job has now become harder, Ty Lue, since the trade, Ty Lue is now making all those mistakes again. Ty Lue should have pushed back on the trade. His job was easy. The roster would have been blamed more than him, I think, if he had just played Rocco and Terrence. But now, now it's tough. Now it's tougher to make all this work. So this is the part that really pissed me off. PG finally hits a three. Cuts it down to six with a minute left. 107 to 113. By the way, Steph Curry, some of his finishes around the basket, unbelievable. Unreal. And the Warriors offense, they still move so well without the ball, especially without Chris Paul. But 
we're up by we're down by six and we there's a minute left and these guys are like putting two on the ball and conceding a dunk no ball pressure like the game is over I actually lost it. Like, I wasn't going to get mad. And, and, like, you guys know, this season I haven't really gotten mad because after Harden came, like, my expectations went down the toilet. Like, now I don't expect anything but a clown convention. Let me be real. But here's the thing. Clown convention in the sense that it's going to be a roller coaster. This team's going to look great some nights because they have the talent to be a championship contender. I say contender, not a team. Not a championship team, a contender. Meaning they can be in the mix, second round, maybe conference finals, if things go great, still a piece away. They're too old. They're too, they looked old and slow when they were playing against the Warriors tonight. And the Warriors look old and slow. I mean, we're on a back-to-back as well. A lot of games lately. I got to give them that. And they have, after this next game against the Warriors, they get a couple days off. Yeah, we play the Warriors again on Saturday, as I said. But you guys not, like basically conceding a bucket with a minute left is inexcusable. It's a slap in the face. It's either you guys are all stupid, which I really don't want to think you are because you're NBA players. You shouldn't all be dumb. Or you just don't give a shit anymore. 58 seconds and you're conceding a basket like that. And then you score again and you intentionally, or not even intentionally foul, you recklessly reach when we're over the limit. This is unacceptable. We might have been tired, fam. We might have been tired. No. (laughs) Then get your conditioning up. Like you're in the NBA. This is ridiculous. The Warriors are old. No, you don't give up, dude. You don't give up. I don't believe in that. If, you, if you're if you too tired, ask for a sub. Straight up. Ask for a sub. Not good enough. Warriors win at 120 to 114. 120 to 114. And yeah, you know, poor, no help. De- very rare. Besides Zubats, no help defense when Steph was beating guys off the bounce. Let's read the lines. The Warriors win it 120 to 114. They're now 9 and 10. The Clippers are 8 and 10. Warriors went 9 deep. Corey Joseph played 22 minutes, had one point, two rebounds, and two dimes. 0 for 2 from the field and 0 for 2 from 3. Dario Saric. Actually, let's go to Looney. He only played 13 minutes. 2.5 boards, 2 assists, 0 for 4 from the field. 13 minutes. Jonathan Kaminga. I thought he was really solid in this game. Attacking the basket, taking advantage of the fact that we're old and slow. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block on 6 for 8 shooting and 3 for 5 from 3. Brandon Pajimski, really great impact. The Warriors bench were just all in the positives in the plus minus. Double digit positives as well. 13 points, 8 rebounds for pods. 8 rebounds, wow. 2 assists, 5 for 10 from the field, 2 for 4 from 3. One for two from the line, so 50-50-50 splits. Dario Saric also was solid again. 13 points, five boards, and a steal on four for seven shooting and two for four from three. Yeah, Dario Saric, 13-5-5. You'll take that all day as a Warriors fan. And then Moses Moody, 13 points, three rebounds on six for 10 shooting, one for four from three. Thought he was pretty solid. Draymond Green, 13-5-5, so at least he got double digits in one category. I thought he was quieter as the game went on. 4-for-8 from the field, 2-for-4 from 3, 3-for-4 from the line. It's a pretty efficient game for Draymond. And then Clay, I already mentioned, 22 points on 8-for-18 shooting. And then Steph, 26 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. Overall, for me, probably still the player of the game because he just demands so much attention. Near triple-double for him. 
8 for 15 from the field, 3 for 9 from deep, so I thought we did a good job contesting his threes. And 7 for 9 from the foul line, which is, that was really rare. But the Warriors shot 50% from the field, 38.5% from three, so really solid there, and they took care of the ball. That's the one thing. They were a joke against the Kings in terms of taking care of the ball. Had like 20 turnovers, including those two in the last minute. Steph and Draymond only turned the ball over seven times. That's a massive W for the Dubs, or nine times. Clippers only turned it over six times. That's part of the reason why they got 13 more shots off than the Warriors. Only shot 44%, though. 37.5 from three. Let's talk about it. I mean, Kobe Brown already mentioned a donut in six minutes. Bones Highland played four minutes, had a donut, 0 for 1, shot a contested three. Daniel Tice, 15 minutes, had 10 points, two rebounds, and two assists. He was a minus 20, but I think he was actually pretty solid. He wasn't great, but he was pretty solid. Four for nine from the field. He only played 15 minutes. I'll take 10 points in 15 minutes. And then you've got Norm, five points, two turnovers, not playing good defense, one for two in 18 minutes. And then you had Russ, who played 26, so at least you got him over 20 in this one. 14 points, 11 rebounds, six of those offensive rebounds. That's awesome. Six assists and zero turnovers. Zero turnovers. You'll take that from Russ. Just a couple of bad shots. 0 for 3 from deep. 5 for 13 overall, so not very efficient. 5 for 10 from 2. So again, I'm da- honestly down for him not to take threes anymore. 4 for 6 from the foul line. He shot the most foul shots of any Clippers, so got- getting to the line, that's big. A double-double. I'll take that off the bench, to be honest. But he still can be better. And then there's Zoo, who only played 27 minutes, which is a joke. An absolute joke considering he only had one foul. 18 points and 13 rebounds. Four offensive rebounds. A block. He shot 4 for 5 from the line. I've been very critical of his free throws so far this year. And he was 7 for 11 from the field. Disgraceful. And he wasn't even getting taken advantage of in pick and roll like that. Disgraceful that Ty Lue didn't close with him. Paul George. Let's see. That's the Terrence man. Nine points, five rebounds, one assist, and a steal. Four for ten from the field and one for four from three. He's got to be better. He's got to be better. Um, then PG. Actually, no, let's go to Harden first. 18 points, three rebounds, seven assists. Only one turnover, so he did take care of the ball, which is good. Um, I thought he was decent. He had a good first half. Don't think he was very good in the second half, and he's a real problem closing games defensively. 6 for 13 from the field, 5 for 10 from 3. So he was efficient. We'll take that. 1 for 2 from the line on his and 1 in the second half. He didn't make the free throw. It was well short. Um, 37 minutes, maybe a little too much. How about Paul George? He played 37 minutes and he was just atrocious. He had 10 assists, though, and only one turnover. That's awesome. But that's the only positive there. 15 points, 1 rebound. Oh, my God. 1 rebound. 6 for 18. He shot the most of anybody. Ridiculous. Third, oh my God. 33% and 30% from three. Three for 10. Way too many threes. 10 threes out of 18 shots. Zero free throw attempts. Oh my God. Proves my point. Awful. Disgraceful. Needs to be better. Kawhi Leonard. 23 points and 7 rebounds to go along with 2 steals. No turnovers. He was 9 for 17 and 2 for 2 from 3. 3 for 4 from the line. Ridiculous that you're not getting 20 shots up, dude. It, you can blame it on Ty Lue. You can blame it on PG and Harden or Russ, whoever it may be at the end of the game. Kawhi needs to demand the ball. 
And we should, as play calling, yes, we should look, because Ty's been calling a lot of sets on dead balls, as I've been mentioning, more so than before. He needs to make sure Kawhi gets that ball more often. But anyway. All right. That's it for the Clipper game. Now let's move on to the Lakers. So as for the Clippers, moral of the story, I don't even know what to tell you about this team. They look great one night. They look awful the next. Uh, it was it's it was a lot of games in a row, but it was still a bad loss, and it's it's on the stars more than anything. Coach can be better, but Terrence also needs to be better offensively as well. The good news is Kawhi and Zoo are looking really good, and Harden is playing better as well. The whole Russ Harden thing is just tough because you want Russ to be maximized, you want Harden to be maximized. Feels like Harden is starting to be Russ. Feels like there's still a little bit of a shackles on him, and I think when he comes in, he's pressing too much because he's just trying to make an impact. He's just trying to stay on the floor. And sometimes that can be a little bit detrimental. Let's talk about the Lakers. Before we do that, I'm going to read some comments. A couple things I wanted to mention, actually, before. The, the commenters, they always sometimes remind me of things to say. Nemanja Bielitsa, you could put a case in for him as being a stretch big for the Warriors, although he's more of a power forward than a center. As far as the Clippers, if you're wondering why they closed the lineup that, that um, they had a bad starting lineup. You know, they were terrible together, the big four plus Zoo. Because they were, Harden and Russ had cases to play because they were playing pretty decently separately. So Ty was like, let's put them all in together. And Norm wasn't playing well. Um, the, the obvious choice is, you know, instead of Russ, go with Terrence and Zoo. But then he took out Zoo and just had Terrence and Russ. So anyway, that's, that's my answer to that. We have serious problems closing. Kawhi's legs go at the end. Not even he's not demanding the ball. Uh, we have a problem getting to the rim. Paul George, Kawhi, and Harden. Late in games, I don't trust them getting by people consistently. Paul George is the one I trust the most. Um, and then spacing as well with Russ and Zoo. Whether we have, if we have two of them in, spacing is not ideal. So it's tough. And now Terrence Mann, you can add to that as well. All right, now the Lakers playing against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I haven't talked about the Thunder on the channel yet, and I've been watching a lot of them actually. So I'm going to give them a nice full review when I do that episode in a bit about grading every team. But the Lakers also coming off a back-to-back, a back-to-back in which they killed the Pistons, so they got to rest their starters in the fourth. And it was a good start for the Lakers, actually. All Anthony Davis to begin the game. We saw a lot of great stuff from D'Lo AD pick and roll yesterday against Detroit, and you started to see it again. D'Lo doing a good job in that in-between game, knocking down a three. But AD was all over the place, defensively protecting the rim, going right at Chet, finishing at the basket. And I just love the aggression in which he was playing with, the activity. Stu Lance even said the same thing. And I thought everybody on the Lakers was playing pretty well on both ends starters-wise. LeBron was guarding Lou Dort, sometimes even J-Dub. Max Christie on SGA, and he was fighting really hard over screens. And Torian Prince guarding, uh, what's his name? J-Dub mostly, and then D'Lo on Giddy. Uh, Giddy actually had seven points in the first quarter. And one thing about the Thunder, they don't really play a motion offense, but they have pretty creative play calling. And part of it's because they have five guys that can all shoot and put the ball on the floor in their starting lineup. Lou Dort is definitely a little more suspect on the shot, but all those guys can put the ball on the floor and shoot the ball and make plays. That opens up the playbook a lot. But they're still not a super motion team like Golden State, Sacramento, or Denver. But they have good instinctive cutters. A lot of them, like Jalen Williams and Josh Giddy. Um, 
SGA late in that first quarter started getting to work, started eating in the mid-range area, and they just looked like there was nobody that could guard him. And I don't really know if anybody can guard him. 16 points for SGA in the first, but Anthony Davis had 15 and 6 in the first. LeBron on the quieter side in the first half, I thought he just wasn't good enough. Did not try to really get by anybody, just shooting threes. And I figured that because, you know, he's, he's an old man. He was, old, he was tired. And he actually wasn't even bad defensively either. Um, he was resting a lot of it in the first half. In the second half, I think he was working harder defensively and just playing better. Lakers actually outscored the Thunder 37-30 to in the first. And in the second quarter, it was all OKC. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara began that second quarter in attack mode. The Lakers had D'Lo. By the way, the Lakers were super shorthanded role players-wise tonight. No Rui Hachimura out with a nose injury, I believe. And then no Jackson Hayes out of nowhere. He played last night. And then Cam Reddish, who just came back from the groin, groin injury. It feels like load management because or injury management because he played fine last night, in my opinion. I think they're just, you know, siding. What, what's, the, what's the phrase? Taking the side of caution or whatever. But they missed him. They missed him for sure because they could not really guard at the point of attack throughout the game. Uh, Max Christie was trying his best, but it felt like the Thunder – as the game went on, we're just getting two feet in the paint, way more than the Lakers, had way more athletes, had way more bounce, were younger, faster, and more energetic. And on every miss the Lakers had, and they started to go cold, they were able to get out and run and try to get transition threes. And the Lakers with D'Lo and Reeves in and AD not in, the point of attack defense was weak, and there's no real rim protection. Christian Wood as your small ball five, or not even a small ball five, as your five, it's not really much resistance, you know, and there was a lineup with Christie and Prince out and AD not in, and that was just tough. You know, you had the two guards, Reeves and D'Lo in. Reeves was missing every open three, and he wasn't giving you much defensively, and Jalen Williams was getting to the basket, and LeBron was not looking to drive, and every long miss can lead to something for OKC, and the transition game was really hurting the Lakers. I also think Chet started getting into the game more in that second quarter. He was making a huge difference defensively, protecting the rim, and having him be able to stretch the floor, attack closeouts. He's got a smooth jump shot. It gives the Thunder a big luxury. And, you know, I think what's interesting is I feel like the Lakers were trying to run them off the line constantly. But as the game went on, the Lakers weren't we're leaving them open for three left and right. Like they just could not get out there. It was a struggle majorly. And a large reason is because Shea Gillis Alexander. And they were just, he was getting two feet in the paint over and over again, causing the Laker defense to help sometimes over help. And guys were open for three. And I thought that in the second quarter, you started to see the thunder were the first to lose balls. They were the more energized team, quicker, more active on both ends of the floor, the rebounding battle, 48-41 to 41 in favor of the Thunder. They had eight offensive rebounds to the Lakers, seven. The Lakers turned the ball over 13 times. The Thunder turned the ball, I'm, I'm sorry, 14 times. Thunder nine times. Fast break points, and this is the real stat I'm trying to tell you. And in the third quarter, it was the, you know, the major takeaway for me. 26 points to 12 overall. Fast break points in favor of OKC. Every long miss can result into something for the Thunder when you're not going to get back on D. And the Lakers look tired, old, couldn't get back. I said they were going to lose this game on basketball and Figueroa. I said, I've been really good about my Lakers predictions so far this season. I said they're going to beat Detroit. They're going to lose to OKC. Too young to beat on a second half of back-to-back. -to -back. 
Lakers shot 33% from three in this game, 11 for 33. They started out shooting lights out. But then the Thunder, as they were cold in the beginning, but they started to get it going, and it got ugly. 21 to 5 bench points in the first half in favor of OKC. You had guys like Aaron Wiggins coming in hitting jumpers. Kaysen Wallace. I love his energy and his defensive effort every time I watch him play. And he can hit the three ball. 10 points, three rebounds, four for seven from the field, and two for four from three in 22 minutes for Wallace. He was a plus 19. He was excellent, in my opinion. Aaron Wiggins, six points, five rebounds, two assists. In 13 minutes, not bad at all. And he made both shots he took. Thunder outscored the Lakers 42-23 in the second. So it was just a disaster on both ends of the floor for the purple and gold. It was 72-60 to at the half in favor of the Thunder. 72 points. So Lakers' point of attack defense, not good enough. Lakers' effort, not good enough. Lakers' transition defense, not good enough. Second half, Lakers can't guard. It was. It felt like trading baskets a lot. Third quarter was actually OKC, 38-26. to 26, They won it. And it felt like for the rest of the game, it was just kind of trading baskets. LeBron started trying a little harder defensively. He played a little bit of D on SGA in the fourth to no avail. Um, AD, let's see how many points he ended with. 31. I actually thought he was really good, to be honest. He was the only player I think played well. LeBron was actually pretty good too. But... You needed more from everyone else. D'Lo wasn't bad either. It's just like you're going to need LeBron to score more than 21 for one. I thought 12 rebounds, 6 assists is fine. I think he was good with the rebounding, but first half he just wasn't really good enough. 7 for 12 for LeBron. He still was very efficient, and he's shooting the three ball so well to start the year. 4 for 8 in 35 minutes, but he had five turnovers and some were just really bad passes. The lob pass over the top in that first quarter was just, it was so underthrown. I couldn't believe it. Um, But AD was the man. For me, it's just 133 points. This is a team, the Lakers, who people were predicting are going to be a top 10 defense. And right now, they don't look very good at the point of attack. They missed Jared Vanderbilt massively. They missed um, Cam Reddish in this one. But let's talk about the Thunder, right? How hard it is to guard them. They were spamming that pick and pop with Chet and SGA in that second half. And even the great Anthony Davis, who's, in my opinion, the best defender in basketball, he had trouble with it, you know, because he closes out on Chet hard. He, 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 sometimes, if you don't close out, he's going to hit that three. He's got such a great shot. You close out, he's pump faking, stepping into the mid-range, and a couple times he got to his bag one-on-one against AD and scored on him. It was getting ugly. I'm not going to lie. Chet scoring on AD like that, hit him with a little turnaround and one. I was so impressed. But I'm very impressed with Chet. Both ends of the floor. I think he's better than Wemby right now, but I think it feels like I watch Wemby and he's a rookie and I watch Chet and it feels like he's a sophomore because he's spent time already, you know, in the league over the course of the last year. You know, Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin, Chet Holmgren, all these guys that missed that whole first season but they were around NBA, their team the whole time. It's different. They come in with a little different confidence. But Chet, I think part of it is the, the way he's used. He plays the five for OKC. Wemby plays the four for the Spurs, and it feels like they just underuse him in like screen and roll type actions and stuff like that, whereas Chet is doing a lot of pick and pop stuff with SGA, and he's just more of a complimentary player on offense, and then on defense, he is great, but Wemby, it's like they either give him the ball in isolation a lot, and like Wemby and Chet both, they're not going to bolt, like they have the amazing 
fluidity to score on bigs and create separation and shoot over the top of guys, but they're not consistently taking advantage of smaller guys one-on-one, like bigger wings that are smaller than them, but they're still like strong. So like they can't bully them. And that's the thing, you know, that they, if they want to get to the next level, the highest level, like in their primes, best player on championship team type candidates, to me, you've got to be able to take advantage of mismatches at that size. And that's the big flaw with a lot of modern bigs, in my opinion. But yeah, the Thunder, I mean, they couldn't, Lakers couldn't stop them. They made a little run in the end, cut it down 107 to 120. LeBron was hitting his three ball. Reeves started getting going a bit. But it was that play where Anthony Davis got blocked by Isaiah Joe from behind, and then Lou Dort hit a three. That sealed the deal. And I thought Lou Dort was really good. The Thunder just in the second half were just running them out of the gym, really. Laker transition defense was poor. Uh, and Torian Prince just missed three after three in that second half wide open in the corner. Lakers lost it 133-110. to An absolute blowout. Lakers go to 11-9 and on the season, 20 games in now. So we're basically at the quarter mark. First quarter mark of the season for the Lakers. Wow. It's flown by. Thunder 12-6 right now. One of the best teams in the West. Um, I think the Thunder are very impressive, but I haven't been too haven't been too impressed on like any particular win. Like they're getting wins that I'm predicting them to win. To be honest, yeah, they're a little better than I thought because Chet is doing better than I thought. To be honest, let's read the lines. Jalen Hood Shafino played in this game, and I thought he looked very unconfident with the ball in his hands in terms of like letting it fly. He was open a lot, didn't want to shoot. He had three points. He was one for six from the field. He was over three from deep. And he was a minus 15. He was a, had a rebound and a turnover in 19 minutes. So no good. Christian Wood, 21 minutes, seven points, four rebounds, and a turnover. One for six from the field, 0 for two from three. Five for seven from the line. But that's just not good enough. You needed better from the Laker bench. You needed it. You only got 24 points. From the guys that were actually playing real minutes, which was Reeves, Hood Shafino, and Christian Wood. Reeves, 29 minutes played, ended up actually having an efficient game, but I don't think he was very good. Uh, his defense wasn't strong, and he was one for four from three, five for nine from the field, three for three from the line, 14 points, two rebounds, three assists, two turnovers. Um, and then Max Christie, I thought he was okay actually, tried his best. He looked like the only guy that stood a chance of guarding SGA. Eight points, two steals, one block, one turnover only, three for seven from the field, two for three from deep in 21 minutes. And then you had Torian Prince. Six points, one rebound, two assists, a turnover, two for seven from the field, and two for five from three. So those threes that he missed in the second half, those three, those were the only threes that he actually missed. But don't think he was very good. Uh, Two for seven, not great. D'Lo, 16 points, 3 rebounds, 10 assists, and 2 turnovers. I actually thought he was pretty good. Defensively, not so much. Has to just be better, but he's not a very good defender at the end of the day, even though I think he's been a little better this year. 6 for 13 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3, 2 for 2 from the line. And then you have LeBron, 21 points, 12 boards, 6 dimes, 5 turnovers though, a steal and a block, 7 for 12 from the field, and 4 for 8 from deep, 3 for 4 from the line. So the positives, he was still efficient. Had a good shooting game from three, but he didn't get to the rim as much as you would need to win. It just felt like the Thunder were getting two feet in the paint on their open threes, and the Lakers weren't. They were like semi-open. And LeBron, he just looked a little tired tonight. It's normal. At least there's no back-to-backs in the playoffs, right, Laker fans? (laughs) AD, he was good. 
31 points, 14 boards, two assists, two steals, 11 for 18 from the field. I like that he didn't take many threes, only one three. Nine for 10 from the Lions. You like that, 90%. Lakers shot 27 for 32 from the line, 84%. That's really good. They actually shot 10 more free throws than the Thunder, but the Thunder shot 13 more shots. I talked about Kaysen Wallace and Aaron Wiggins. Isaiah Joe had 10 points as well. So Kaysen Wallace, 10. Isaiah Joe, 10. He had five rebounds to go along with it and three blocks. Actually, I've been pretty impressed with Isaiah Joe defensively when I've watched him. I don't know if he has a, He doesn't look like the type of player that would defend well, but whenever I watch him, he somehow does defend well. Four for eight from the field, two for six from three. Kenrick Williams played 19 minutes. He had one point. Two rebounds, three assists, and two steals. 0 for 4 from the field. Don't think he caused too much damage. Jalen Williams from Arkansas played. Only seven minutes, though. Three points. Waters, the third, played. Five points in 12 minutes. The starters, though, they played 21 minutes or more, all of them. Josh Giddy, 14 points, eight rebounds, and an assist, and a steal. He did have four turnovers, though. Five for 10 from the field. Two for five from three. Giddy, I mean, his jumper... It's still not convincing. Teams are going to really dare him to shoot. But I've always liked Giddy's game in the sense that he's really crafty. He has a nice floater. He's good around the basket. Um, and he can pass with both hands. High IQ player to me. 5 for 10 from the field. 2 for 5 from 3. You'll take that all day. What's going to happen with him in that situation? No comment on that. I don't know. Lou Dort. I thought he was excellent. Hustles. Was making his threes. 12 points. 7 rebounds. He had 3 offensive rebounds. Three assists, two steals, and a block, and zero turnovers. Five for nine from the field, two for five from three in 28 minutes, plus 11. He was awesome. Does his job. Good role player. Athletic. Can finish around the basket. He's good in transition. And he's gotten better at the three ball. Can guard in the point of attack. Then you have Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, who's been amazing this year. I think he's such a good player. He defends. He can play, make, and pick and roll. He can shoot the three. He can hit the mid-range. He can create his own shot in isolation. He's a pit bull going to the rim. He's going to be a star, if not this year, next year. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, and 0 turnovers. Unbelievable. 8 for 13 from the field, 1 for 4 from deep, 4 for 5 from the line, and he looked like he couldn't be stopped in that second quarter. And then Che Holmgren, 18 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals. He may have not had a block, but he affected plenty of shots. 8 for 15 from the field. He did not shoot the 3-ball well in this game. 1 for 6 from there. Um, made his only free throw, but I thought he was excellent, especially in the second half where he was giving AD the business. And then just a casual night at the office for the man that was drafted by my Clippers, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. 33 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, and a steal. You can make an argument. He was the best player on the floor tonight. I think in the first half, AD was the best just because he's two-way presence. But overall, Shea commanded this game. 11 for 18 from the field. His mid-range game, his ISO package, his ability to get to the line and be so good at shooting those free throws. In this game, 10 for 10, second to none. And he's becoming one of the best players in the league. A great win for the Thunder. As for the Lakers, look, man, the Lakers struggle against these young teams that want to run. Sacramento caused problems. OKC caused problems, and Dallas even caused problems. Back-to-backs may not be the Lakers' friends. It's just a matter of building consistency, but I'm not going to lie. The Lakers are just old, man, like AD and LeBron. They need some help. They need the role players to be healthy too, right? I think they desperately need Vando back. Vincent would even help. So they need some of their role players because they're not stepping up enough, and they're just missing too many shots. 
But I think I wouldn't panic if I'm a Laker fan at all. The West is all over the place right now. And so in a couple episodes, I'm going to be doing a grading of every team in the league. I'm pretty much caught up. But guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. I obviously will be off not doing anything. Uh, no episode coming on Friday because no Lakers or Clippers. Saturday, I'll probably do something for Clippers Warriors. Peace and have a great Friday.